In 2024, a wave of elections will be held globally. Billions of people will go to the polls with major elections in Europe, the United States, as we've heard, the UK, India and Pakistan, just to name a few. Around half of the global population, by some estimates, will participate in elections this year. And it all coincides with the surge in extremism, advances in artificial intelligence and a watering down of social media protections like we've seen never before. To look at some of the uh, potential consequences for that, we're joined in the studio now by Liz Carolyn, who works on tech and democracy issues and is the founder of Digital Action. Uh, Liz, welcome to the programme and thank you for joining us. Um, so we have the, these huge number of elections globally. Uh, it's a big, big test, isn't it? Because we're in an era where misinformation and disinformation are being spread like never before. So let's start with those terms, misinformation and disinformation and the difference between them. Yeah, so it's I mean it's an extremely exciting year, um, but a very worrying one for for those of us who who care about democracy. Which um, we're actually we've just had our sixth year of decline globally in in um, in in, de- in in democracy across the world. I mean the, the real difference between mis and disinformation is intent. Um, so misinformation is just. Um, whether it's a fact or an image or something which is taken out of context that's being spread but without deliberate intent. That's disinformation. So this is where you might have um, a a bad actor who's deliberately trying to mislead people or to make somebody look bad um, or um, uh, some of the most damaging um, disinformation in the context of elections is process disinformation. So to try and um, fool people (laughs) about the process, the questions that are at stake, even things like the date and location of polling. So uh, as we enter this year of elections then, I mean, a, a lot of this information is, is disseminated online uh, through social media channels. How are social media companies managing to, to cope with treading that line uh, between allowing freedom of speech, uh, even if some of it is unpalatable, uh, and also ensuring then that democracy is not threatened by the spread of, of false information? It's extremely challenging and I think, you know, it's been four to five years since we had um, the elections that we're going to have this year in Ireland Uh, and the landscape has changed completely in that time and I think while, uh, you know, some tech platforms, they have started to invest a bit more heavily in this. Platforms like X, which used to be Twitter, um, have actually cut back on teams. So we have that mixed with the fact that you have, you know, these 60 plus countries who are going to be going to elections. I I think we can't really be relying on platforms um, to be delivering what needs to be delivered this year to keep our elections to keep our elections safe and as as Eamon was saying um, before Eamon Ryan um, a lot of this really has to come down to well where is the good quality information coming from and what is the role of media what is the role of candidates what is the role of political parties in making sure people have access to the information they need to vote So that's counterbalancing it but does regulation of social media work? Um, we've been trying it. I mean, I think the the EU last year passed the Digital Services Act, um, and what that's trying to do is, you know, I guess shift the focus a little bit away from content, so what people are saying, and instead thinking about the systems. So platforms are not neutral. Um, they make decisions all the time about what content to prioritise. In the past, they haven't been making those decisions based on what is good for democracy, what is good for human rights, what is good quality information. It's been based on other factors like what will get people to look at our platform for longer. And so the EU is starting to try and introduce regulations, in particular for big platforms, to change some of those systems. But it's very, very slow to come about and there's a lot of resistance. 
we saw this week there were a number of stories about uh, AI generated content, video in particular, um, depicting in one in one case depicting the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar, a fake video of him. Another one depicting the UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. Um, how much more of that type of, of fake video content are we likely to see this year with the elections? I think we're likely to see a lot of it and we're starting to see it in the US happening in official paid for campaign videos as well. A lot of that has tended to be more fake audio um, which is slightly easier to do than, than fake video. Um, and, and some of this is getting into, so there's um, uh, an ad in the US which has Trump's voice reading out a tweet. So he never actually said that out loud but they're kind of using AI in order to make it sort of more salient and more tangible. And in Argentina, we saw quite a lot of AI-generated video, which was taking things that were people's small concerns and kind of like really blowing them up and making them... So that, that was around kind of human organ markets and sort of strange things like this. So I think we're likely to see some of this. I think what's more likely to happen and what the evidence emerging of mis- and disinformation in the AI era, especially around the Gaza conflict is that it's much easier to discredit real video, real audio, real images um, in an era of AI um, than, than it was than it ever was before. So we, we risk getting into, a, getting into a space where, you know, if the Access Hollywood tape, for example, where Trump said some, some really awful things, if that came out now, you know, it'd be very easy to dismiss as AI generated or whatever else. So it's um, one of the real challenges is we're getting into a space where you don't know what you can believe. But I think in the medium to longer term, the electoral and political impact of AI is much more likely to be us starting to see some of the impacts that new technology have on the economy, on employment, um, on, um, on on broader aspects of society starting to seep into in, in, into our politics if we're not adapting um, properly. And, and what then can individuals do to counteract uh, misinformation, disinformation? How can they um, inform themselves? Yeah, so there's, I mean, there's there's quite a lot that we can do as individuals. Um, I think in particular, um, you know, this year, we're not going to have the same level of investment by, by platforms um, in, uh, in in protecting us, right? They're going to be spread across 60 or 70 different elections. So I, I think there's a real opportunity for all of us to sort of step up a little bit and maybe even start to stick our necks out. You know, if, if we if we see things or if things are being shared in places that, 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 that we are in, in, in channels or in groups to sort of, you know, call it out um, and, and push back a little bit. But I really think um, the crucial role, so the Electoral Commission is going to have a very important role this year in process disinformation, but we really need media outlets, um, broadcast, um, you know, local radio, national radio, our national broadcasters, media, to be aware of media manipulation tactics that can be used by extremists and also to be aware of how are they equipping themselves to deal with misinformation in real time and live as it happens. All right, Liz, a big test for the year ahead. Liz Carlin, founder of Digital Action, thank you very much indeed for coming Thanks, to Justin. talk to us today.